His name is wonderful, Jesus my Lord. Amen? And uh, what a great, great song. We're going to go straight into uh, the announcements and then get you uh, to the message this morning. This Saturday, if you can come, 9 a.m., 9 to 11. And uh, you might have a busy week. All right. How many of you all have a busy week planned? You're with like me, okay? How many of you are planning to work more than 70 hours this week, okay? Uh, you might be really busy, okay? Uh, but Saturday, 9 to 11, two hours to really just spruce up the grounds. We need to trim the little flowers right here in the flower bed. Just cut those back, get those hostas ready. Um, just a little bit of raking, a little bit of work, uh, cleaning things up, getting sprucing up the church grounds. If you can help, 9 to 11, just two hours this Saturday. It'd be a fantastic time together, and we will have uh, coffee ready for you and uh, have a little bit of snacks and stuff, but we're not going to do lunch this Saturday, okay? Just trying to expedite the work day. Don't forget to come and pray. Fantastic group praying, and we're believing God to work in the revival meeting and the evangelistic services coming up. And you realize that we've printed flyers and we've put these out, but it's not the printed flyer that God blesses. It's not just the preacher. He's preparing. And by the way, he has a lot of family things that are happening in their precious family, and they've still prioritized to come for this meeting. Um, the pressures that they've been going through, uh, they need our prayers, okay? So pray for Brother Caleb and his dear wife, and we're excited about this meeting, so pray for these invitations. We have another 2,000 going out this week, uh, mailing those out. Grab one or two of these and hand them out to a friend, and I tell you, every week, uh, everybody I go to, I, I take two or three, okay? And I walk up yesterday, we were doing, picking up trash along the side of the road. The neighbors were out cleaning their yards up. And one of the neighbors just went down and talked to them. Hey, we're just let them know who we were picking it up. And hey, can I just, I want to give you one of these. We've got an upcoming meeting. That way they can keep one and give one to a friend, okay? So get, hand these out. And we need to pray and believe God to work. I encourage you to come at 10 a.m. to pray with us next Sunday. Ladies Bible study. Uh, Wednesdays at 5.30. Fantastic time. And ladies, uh, I know this is a great time to encourage your hearts around the Word of God. My wife is looking forward to this with you. And in regards to that, the ladies reveal for the Secret Sister is next Sunday following the service. Right? Next Sunday following the service. Thank you to all of you who helped and volunteered and, uh, and, and were a blessing helping with the uh, trash pickup three and a half miles uh, yesterday. And so fantastic group uh, helping out with that. If you want to help next time, you'd make it go a whole lot quicker for all of us, okay? And uh, some of us were running to make that happen, but it did happen. Three and a half miles. I appreciate all of you helping with that. What a great testimony to the community. This evangelistic service, starting on April 30th, Sunday, we have our morning service at 11. Maybe you have a friend that goes to another church. Encourage them to go to their own church on Sunday, all right? I don't believe in sheep stealing, okay? Um, but 6.30 Sunday night, nobody has a church service around here, okay? So Sunday night, 6.30. Now, right before that, at 5.30, we're going to have a meal. Every night, we have a meal. Now, in the back, there's a sign-up sheet if you would like to help bring something. You say, what, what are the meals? They're potluck meals, okay? So, you're just, we're just bringing things together and, and sharing together, collaborating together. There's a list in the back to help sign up with any of the meals. The meal's at 5.30 every night. The service is at 6.30. And if you can come in and you want to just grab a plate at 6, that's awesome, okay? Whatever you want to do, the service will start promptly at 6.30. May 1st through the 5th. I can't think of a better place to be on the Cinco de Mayo than in church, all right? So Monday through Friday night. You say, what is going to happen each night? We're going to have church, all right? We're going to sing. We're going to hear from a, a special speaker, so you won't have to hear me. You get to hear somebody different, amen? And uh, we get to be blessed and encouraged by the Word of God. You say, what's going to happen each night? My visitors, your visitors, are going to show up. You've got to believe God. Amen? So what's going to happen each night? You're going to see different people each night. What's going to happen each night? It's going to be a different sermon each night. All right? Um, different messages. And Brother Caleb is gifted as an evangelist. An evangelist is somebody who comes to the church, and it's, he's giving us a dose of medicine to help us have a stronger year. 
but also to help us draw near to God, okay? And if somebody does not know Christ, they come to the meeting, it's going to revitalize and encourage their hearts. Now, for all these types of meetings, this is what we do. When we have an evangelistic service like this, as the week goes on, we start providing child care as needed, okay? We just, we, that that's automatically happens, okay? Uh, because this many nights, you say, how are the kids going to endure it this many nights? I have three, I know, okay? After about night one or two, we're going to start having child care services, okay? That's just what usually what we wind up doing. And uh, since I won't be preaching, I get to go down and help my wife or whoever is helping, okay? So uh, that's what we're doing for the meeting. You say, are we going to have child care? We don't advertise child care. I really want to encourage everybody to come in with a family. But during the message, we will provide child care as needed uh, to help people with their precious loved ones because I know how children are in the evening hours, okay? And uh, so we understand that. And don't let anything deter you. And would you pray this week for the invitations going out that they would be well received. Have any of you got one already arrived at your door, already mailed to you? Okay, several of you guys have. That's awesome. Because we, we went to the post office and they just mailed these out to everybody in, in certain zip codes. And now we're going to be sending it to some different zip codes this week. And so excited about that. 5,000 of these got printed up. And we're trying to get every single one of them. 1,500 of them went out uh, this week. My wife dropped them off. And by the way... Y'all need to thank her. She took, there was 5,000 arrived. She counted them in stacks of 100 by herself, and it was done within like an hour. She knew I was busy in the middle of something and couldn't get to it. And she said, no, nah, everybody else is busy. So she did it, and it was almost done by the time I got home that night. And the thing only arrived, I think they showed up at 3 o'clock, okay? So uh, they were done. All right. So uh, I told Austin when I was meeting with him in Savannah that night for premarital counseling, and I said, I said, yeah, I said, you know what? I'm thankful I married a good wife. Amen. And so um, pray for these invitations that God would bless them. Look, we're working right together, but God's the one that does the work. Okay. And so, how many of you all are believing God to send visitors? If you're believing Him to send visitors, would you say Amen? amen. We're believing Him to send visitors. And this meeting, you say somebody else goes to another church. It's to strengthen the other churches too. So everybody is invited and everybody needs help with this. Help for the hurting, faith for the fearful. There's so much unbelief. And unbelief hinders God working in the community and chains of bondage. Haven't you seen that in our community? We need help. And so this meeting is all about us finding fresh encounter with God. And I'm believing God to do that. This morning, let's go to Psalms chapter 27. Psalms 27, it is good to see each of you in church today, good to see all the children in church, amen, and looking forward to a great service together this morning. Isn't it neat how the Lord even helped the children get quiet, amen, isn't that great, sweet. Now when they make a little bit of noise, you just think about it, that's a blessing, it is a blessing to have children in church, all right? Psalms 27, let me read the whole passage for you because it's a powerful passage, 1 through 14. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall, what shall I fear? Oh, the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me. In this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me and he shall set me up upon a rock. And now shall my head be lifted up above mine enemies round about. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in, what does he say? Anger. If your viewpoint of God does not include anger, you don't understand God. Because the Bible says he's angry with the wicked. How many days? Every day. We've got to view God accurately. 
David realized he had defiled, he had done wicked things, he did not deserve God's love, but so he said, put not thy servant away in anger. Recognizing his own sinfulness, in mercy he pleads to God, put not away thy servant in anger. He didn't think that he automatically deserved God's goodness. That's the problem with modern day Christianity. We view God like he's just a free for all, just ready to hand out stuff. And he is not that way. He is just, he is holy. Oh yes, he's ready to give. He daily loads with benefits, but he loves justice and mercy. You got, we got to see God accurately. Yes, he's ready to give, but he's also just. He's loving. He's perfect. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. You understand, he knew God would not forsake him, but he was asking God to not forsake him. God won't forsake his own. God is just, God is perfect. But David realized he did not deserve God's presence. When we start believing we deserve God's presence and God tolerates any behavior we want to have, we have a wrong perception of God. Teach me thy way, O Lord, verse 11. Lead me in the, what kind of path? Plain path. Some people are called plain people, right? Why are they called plain? Because they've got a simple life. Lead me in the plain path. It's a good path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over into the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen against me, up against me, and such as breathe out, what? Cruelty. He says these enemies, they're false. They breathe out evil, cruel words. He says, I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall... Strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. David's heart was so inclined to God, he knew his strength was coming from the Lord. Where is your strength coming from today? Where is your strength coming from? Think about it. Where are you getting your energy from? I pray it's from the Lord. If it's from anything else, you will faint, you will fall. Those that wait upon the Lord, Isaiah says, will renew their strength. Overcoming our greatest fears, Psalms 27. David was so confident that God was just and good. Maybe you've heard, God of the Old Testament was mean, judgmental, and harsh. The God of New Testament's loving, people say. Anyone who says that has not studied the Bible. Because the more you study the Bible, you will conclude that to come to that conclusion, you have to ignore most of the scripture. God is perfectly loving, perfectly holy, worthy to be feared. He is terrifying and altogether tender, meek, and lowly at the same time. His character is perfect. He's the perfect balance. By the way, a leader is only a good leader if they know how to walk quietly, cautiously, carefully, but yet carry a big stick, right? And so they, there's an element to which you understand the authority of God, that he is in control of all things. And he loves to bless his children. He does not want his people to live in fear. He wants us to follow him and have confidence. Every Christian, Christian has equal access to God. 1 John 4, 4 says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. You say, I'm afraid of this situation. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You say, I'm still afraid of it. Then is he in you? Identify with the crucified Christ. He's victorious. He rose victorious over the grave. And we can find victory today. The search has promised blessing. The search has a promised end, but the search involves desire and determination. It involves dedication. It involves increasing concentration. It involves a cost. It will cost everything. We must lose our life to find the crucified life. David won in his prayer life. David found the place of God in the place of prayer, the presence of God in the place of prayer, and he knew the joy of finding God's forgiveness and strength. So how can we win and overcome fear in our relationship with God? How can we overcome our greatest fears and find victory over defeat? 
Did you struggle with defeat this week? A lot of people struggle with defeat. You know, it's a simple solution, but a lot of times we keep going back to the same old hog pen. If you want to understand that scenario, you're welcome to come see my pig. Okay? You can come spend a little time with it. You understand a little bit more about what it's like to live in the hog pen. And too many times we live in the hog pen of life and we expect different results. God doesn't want us to stay there. He wants us to walk out in green pastures. And sometimes we just go back and we revert. And we live in fear. And God wants us to live in faith. Let's look first this morning, a single-minded desire. A single-minded desire. Verse 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord that, I, that will I seek after. What are you going to seek after, David? What's the one thing you want? What's the one thing you want? Don't tell me. What's the one thing you want? What's the one thing? If I could just have that, I'd be happy. No, you want it. Not unless it's this one thing. A single-minded desire. One thing. How are we going to overcome our fears? With one thing. That we desire. Hmm. Well, I, I just want to have, all that matters is family time. Did you hear that? That is such a unbiblical viewpoint. Because look in verse 10. David said, when my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. David was not happy because his parents were still in his life. He was not happy because his family was still in his life. He was not afraid because he had lost everything. No, his own brothers had turned on him. His own brothers had forsaken him, betrayed him. His own brothers had caused him great harm. They were in Saul's army. They did not like him. They mocked him. The king didn't like him. One thing have I desired. What did you desire, David? Well, I just desire to get a good job. That's what most people desire. No, 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 no. David, what did you desire? I want to have my dream house. Nope. David, what did you desire? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Wow. That's what you want, David? Mm-hmm. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Hey, I want to live my entire life devoted to Christ. When it's my last day, I want to end it like John Harper did. This week, we remembered the Titanic back in 1912 when it sank. And I read the story earlier at 10 o'clock. And not to read the entire story again, but John Harper was a preacher. He was saved at age 13. I like that age. That's when I trusted Christ. But at age 18, he got so stirred up about being a witness, God convicted him about his need to go preach. He went on every street corner, and he'd stand, and he'd preach and lead people to Christ. He'd stand and preach and lead people to Christ. He lived his life that way. And in 1911, he came over here to the United States, preached in Chicago for a revival meeting. God worked. He got invited back, was scheduled on another ship, wound up going on the Titanic, Having been forewarned by one of his own friends at the church, they had prayed and they said, something ominous is going to happen on that ship. Please don't go. He said, but God wants me to go. He went on the Titanic. He was seen leading a man to Christ on the deck of that ship at sunset. The sunset, beautiful sunset. The ship hit the, hit the iceberg that same, like a few minutes later. And John Harper perished in the icy waters. But before he died, he led more people to Christ in the very icy waters. If we were drowning, would we be leading people to Christ? Or would we be thinking about ourselves? What's our single-minded desire? John Harper had one. Let us never forget, we will do what we desire to do. 
You ever figure that out? You're going to do whatever you desire to do. God knows what we desire. He knows when competition wins. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He sees our desires better than we, see our, uh, we ourselves can see them. He's created us and wants us to desire and learn to desire Him. The only thing that you accomplish, if the only thing you accomplish is that you wholeheartedly desire the Lord, then you have accomplished much. It's impossible to prioritize the Lord without naturally desiring to serve Him. Naturally, we serve those we love, and we despise to serve those we don't love. A single-minded desire. One thing I've desired, David said, I want to dwell in God's house. One thing. There's, against this single-minded desire, there are competing desires for our time. Have you ever heard the phrase, an idle mind is the devil's workshop? An idle mind is the devil's workshop. It is so true. Uh, time is a gift we've all been given by God. Does your phone send you a reminder every week? Mine sends me one at 9.30 every Sunday morning. It says, this is how many hours you spent each day on your phone. Like, that's really what I wanted to be convicted about right before I came to church on Sunday. Amen. But it, it lets me know. Does yours let you know? Let me ask you this. Who got the most time, God's house or your phone? Convicting thought, right? Competing desires. Time is a gift we've been given by God. Have you ever been so busy that you could not sleep for five days straight? I want to introduce to you a man. You may have heard of this man before. But he did not sleep for five days. Matter of fact, he did not stop moving for five days. You want to try that, Annika? You want to try to walk for five days straight? You think you could do it? No? You think you could do it, Caleb? You think you could do it? Nah. Five days straight. The man's name was Cliff Young. He was a 61-year-old farmer. He won the world's toughest race over in Australia. There's an endurance race, and this endurance race, it involves uh, running or walking 543 miles. 500, <laughs> can you even imagine that? 543 miles, I mean, no. Okay, so this man named Cliff Young entered this grueling ultramarathon. The race takes five days to complete, and it's usually only attempted by world-class athletes who've trained specially for the event. They're usually about 30 years old, and they're usually backed by large companies. But this man, in 1983, named Cliff Young, showed up at the start of the race, 61 years old. He wore his overalls and his work boots. And uh, they press, of course, was curious, and they said, you're crazy. There's no way you're going to finish this race. He said, yes, I can. See, I grew up on a farm, and we couldn't afford tractors or horses. And so the whole time while I was growing up, when the storms would roll in, I'd have to go out and round up the sheep. We had 2,000 sheep and 2,000 acres. When the race started, the pros quickly ran off and left Cliff behind. The, the crowds in the television were so entertained because he didn't even run properly. He shuffled. Many feared for his own safety. And all the professional athletes knew it took five days to finish the race. And in order to do this, they had to run 18 hours a day, sleep six hours each night. But the thing is, Cliff was never told about that. So, when the morning of the second day came, everyone was in for a surprise. Not only was he still in the race, but he continued jogging all night long. Eventually, he was asked about his tactic for the rest of the race, and to everyone's disbelief, he said, I'm going to run straight through and finish without sleeping. He kept running, and eventually, he came closer to leading the pack. By the final night, he surpassed all the young world-class athletes, and he was the first competitor to cross the finish line, and it set a new course record for, for the race. He was awarded a prize of $10,000. He didn't even know that there was a prize for running the race. 
he was so overwhelmed by the prize that he gave it away to other athletes. You could probably think of somebody maybe who's in that age category who would probably do the same thing. His pace was only four and a half miles an hour for five days straight. You say, that's crazy, that's Cliff. I couldn't do that. God's not asking you to do that, but are you desiring him? One thing have I desired. One thing have I desired. I don't have time. I don't have time to, to do those things. I, I don't have time for the things of God. Uh-oh. Oh. Cliff had time for the race. You say, but, but the, if I do the things of God, God's not going to reward me. Oh, yes, he will. Cliff didn't even know there was a reward. That's not monetary. It's a reward in heaven. You say, but yeah, well, in heaven, a lot of people are going to have empty hands and you're going to have your hands full and be able to present those things to Jesus. In order to win at our relationship with God, there must be a single-minded desire. Recognizing there's competition for our time, we must devote our time to him. You say, why am I so depressed? Why am I so discouraged? Because it's discouraging serving the devil. It's discouraging serving the things of the world. It's discouraging serving things that do not satisfy. When we desire the house of God above all things, man, everybody will know. Hey, where are they at? They're always over at church. Wonder why? Maybe they like that place. Amen? There's also competing desires for our treasure. Competing desires for our treasure. Has anything came before you, between you and your desire for the things of God? It must be understood the lost will naturally desire to please themselves. The lost will naturally seek the treasures in this life. The lost will spend more on their self than on the creator. That's understood. What do the lost people want out of life? What do they want? More stuff, right? Competing desires for our treasure. The heart of the child of God naturally follows our treasure. And where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. David set his heart to build God's house. He joyfully gathered together the resources for his son Solomon to build the temple. He did not get to enjoy the building of the house of God because of his own personal sin. But David had a desire and he gathered together all the things of his own possessions he put them into the house of God. He desires, competing desires for our treasures. This church is here because some people have sacrificed over the years for our behalf, on our behalf. God's people have, have given sacrificially on our behalf so that you and I could come to a place and meet with God. So that you and I could come to this place so last week we could have a baptism service. We're so greatly blessed and enhanced by the sacrificial generosity of others and of those among us, right? We're so blessed. And over the years, over these last 40 years, God's people have loved this place and have loved to see the gospel go forward. What a privilege we have to support those who minister to the gospel. Many souls will be won to Christ by our generosity. But the question is, how many souls will be won by our generosity? If our money gets spent on what we love, it will show, right? If our money's spent on paying off credit card debts for stuff we bought to impress others, then maybe we need to reconsider what the Lord said about beware of covetousness. In Luke 12 and verse 15. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. What's your goal in life? When you finish your life, is your goal to have a lot of treasure or to give it all away? If we don't have anything left to invest in the kingdom of God, then maybe only our own kingdom matters to us. A lot of fear comes from self-esteem related to coveting our neighbor's things. Competing desires for our treasure. This single-minded desire involves our time and our treasure. One thing have I desired, the house of God. Hey, it's so important to me, that's what I desire, David said. And David displayed it by his own life, by his time he was in the house of God, by his treasure he was in the house of God. David also describes for us a steadfast, uh, a steadfast determination. Verse 8, he said, When thou saidest, seek Ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. God said, hey, David, seek me. David said, Lord, I'm, I'm going to do it. He didn't just lip promise. He did it. 
When we are seeking for him only, it implies we've stopped seeking for ourselves. A complete denial of self. There's this steadfast determination. It involves this complete self-denial. I will seek. The journey to a closer walk be with God begins where selfishness ends. Let me say that again. The journey to a closer walk with God, I found personally, it begins where my own selfishness has to end. You say, but I'm afraid, I'm worried. Because we're thinking about ourselves. And if I look at myself, I get very afraid and worried. I don't have the strength to finish what I need to finish. I don't have the power. I don't have the ability. I don't have the personality. Whatever, I don't have the gift. If I'm looking at myself, my friend, we're not going far. If you look at yourself, you're going to live in a pit of discouragement and despair and fear. A steadfast determination. I'm going to deny myself and seek after the Lord. Lord, I need your strength today. There was a woman in Luke 15. She had lost her coin. And Jesus said she swept the entire house looking for it. And before we determined to seek him, we must realize we have a lost coin. And we must determine whatever the cost, we will find it. Not long into our journey with following Jesus, we'll find that in order to know him better, it will involve more and more self-denial. Haven't you found this with parenting? The older the precious child gets, the more we have to deny ourselves. The more precious children we have in our home, the more we have to deny ourselves, right? Don't worry, he's just getting right with God. That's okay. Amen. <laughs> he's down here doing what we all need to do. Amen. And uh, the precious children, the more you have of children, the more you will realize they're God's gifts for you to help them grow to go serve, right? Amen. But they're going to teach you more about self-denial than anything else. They're gonna, they're, you're going to be sleepless. You're going to be tired. You're going to be penniless some days. And you're going to look at those precious children and you're going to be thankful. And God's going to provide. But I'm just saying sometimes they do kind of suck you dry, okay? Because they have a lot of things going on. Sometimes with time, they drain a lot of time. Complete self-denial. Following Jesus is none of us rise above a servant. And he is our example. He denied himself. Seeking God involves this determination. Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Is that a statement that you've been making in your personal devotions when you read the word of God? Thy face, Lord, will I seek. By the way, you're seeking something. What if what you've been seeking right here was put right there? What if? Say, but pastor, that would be embarrassing. It would. But you realize in heaven one day it will be put there? Like what we lived our life for, we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. There's going to be two judgments. The one for the believers, the judgment seat of Christ. And every Christian will be judged by their works. There's going to be the judgment, the great white throne judgment. The unbelievers will stand before God. And they will stand before God and he will say, depart from me for I never knew you. But they're going to say, Lord, we did all these miracles. Lord, we did all these great things. Mm -mm, I never knew you. Depart from me. He says, you workers of iniquity. Complete self-denial. They did it for themselves. May the Lord give us people with devotion that will be able to move forward together as a family of faith. Every church is comprised of people either winning or losing in their relationship with God. And the more we determine, I will seek the Lord, the more the church builds. The more we personally determine, I will seek myself, the more we affect one another. The choice is ours. Will we determine to deny ourselves and follow him, or will we focus on ourselves? Let, we want to, outward conformity, we want to recognize outward conformity without inward purity will produce death. It's a self-denial. It's not just doing things on the outside. It's on the inside saying, Lord, change me. A steadfast determination. When thou said to seek my face, hey, Lord, I'm going to seek your face. I got a determination. I'm going to do it. You see somebody, you've seen people around this, in this community. They started out with nothing. But they've determined they were going to build a business, and they did. They did. 
Many of you know that and you've seen it personally. They started out with nothing, and yet they built a business. How? They determined. They had a, a focus, a purpose. And by the way, if we have a focus and a purpose in our heart, I'm going to seek the Lord. But you say, but it's impossible. Yes, the flesh is so weak, isn't it? Man, my flesh is so weak. I have to fight it every day. I had to fight it this morning. I have to fight my flesh. It's weak. But the spirit is strong. Complete dedication to the Savior. The story is told of John G. Patton. And this morning we were sitting there reading our family devotions. And this man, John Patton, was a missionary to Vanuatu. And we read this story as a family this morning. And he was born in Scotland in 1824. He lived with his parents in a little tiny cottage with his parents and 10 brothers and sisters. Big family. There was a place in the house called the, 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 uh, the closet. And that's where he remembers seeing daddy go in the closet all the time. And daddy came out with a glow on his face. The closet was where dad went to pray. And he thought about this, daddy's walking with God, why should I not? And by the age of 12, he had begun learning his father's trade of making stockings, but he had already given his soul to God and was resolved to become a missionary. He applied for a position distributing tracts. And he walked with his father. And he went to this Bible college. He was going to go to a, a Bible college to train for the ministry. And his father was walking with him. They walked for the first six miles together. And he says that of his dad, for the last half mile or so of that walk, they walked together in almost unbroken silence, and he saw his daddy's lips moving. His daddy was praying. His lips were moving in silent prayers for his son. On reaching the parting place, he grasped my hand firmly for a minute and said, God bless you, my son. Your father's God prosper you and keep you from all evil. Unable to say any more, his lips were trembling in silent prayer. Father and son embraced, and the son walked on. But John Patton was so moved with tears that he slipped down from the road, went into a, a thicket of bushes there, and prayed and wept. What he did not know is that his dad did the, went the, down the road the other way and did the exact same thing because they were both so moved by the situation. Think about the power of prayer. Are your prayers this powerful? Rising up cautiously, John Patton climbed out of the dike to see if he yet stood where he had left him, looking back to his dad. And he saw his dad climbing out of the dike, looking for him. He got down and set his gaze toward home, and he said he watched through blinding tears until his form faded out from, from his gaze. And then hastening on his way, he vowed deeply and oft by the help of God to live and act as to never so grieve or dishonor his father or his mother. John Patton, after 10 years of work, studying for the ministry there, on April 16th, this day, 1858, he and his wife left Glasgow to do mission work in the New Hebrides Islands, which is now called Vanuatu. He became a pioneer missionary to the island of Tana. But you know what? Within one year of being there, his precious wife died in childbirth. And his baby died. He had only been on the island for one year. His wife had a baby. She died and the baby died. You say, well, he quit and went home and cried to mommy. No, he did not. He stayed there for another three years and led souls to Christ. Went back, raised more money. Four years later, came back with more volunteers. And the story is told, he stayed for 15 more years. And almost all of the island's inhabitants were saved. What would have happened if John Patton would have quit? The souls would not have been won to Christ. He had one steadfast focus. He had complete dedication to the Savior. And during those 15 years as he served, by the way, following him, three generations of his family continued serving and ministering in Vanuatu. Why? Because of John Patton's 
his ministry. He's called the father of modern missions. And when we support these missionaries, we're supporting and remembering the sacrifice of others. And these families go and preach the gospel, many of them having endured similar hardships. One of our missionaries having uh, lost three children and yet still serving as a missionary. Praise God for these people and their dedication. Amen? Complete dedication to the Savior. What's it going to take to stop you from serving God? I pray that nothing will stop you. Amen? Nothing. Complete determination. A single-minded desire, a steadfast determination. And let's look at his final thing. David had a declaration, a sure declaration. He said, Lord, I'm going to seek your face. He said, when my father and mother forsake me, Lord, I'm still going to seek you. Look, if, if you expect all of your loved ones to come with you on your journey of faith, you have not read your Bible. They didn't. They didn't in the Bible. For the Bible characters, most of them endured great separation, great loss from their own loved ones. And if we don't expect that to happen to us, we're living in a world of fairy tales. Um, David said, he says, my father and mother forsake me. He says, the Lord's going to take me up. Who's going to comfort you? God. God. What's it like living in Granville, New York, far away from your family, 2,000 miles? Very different. What's it like living for a wife hundreds of miles away from her loved ones? Different. Very different. Hey, don't expect to, everything to always stay the same. David said in verse 13, I had fainted. Unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know, our missionaries, they keep on going and serving God in these countries, and they stay there, many of them. Why? Because they're believing God to show and work. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. Wait, I say in the Lord. What's your declaration of your life? One thing have I desired, David said. Hey, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? David's not going to be afraid. Why? Because he's desired one thing. You know why people are afraid? Because they're desiring the wrong thing. Every time I'm afraid, it's because I'm desiring the wrong thing. I'm worried about what people might think about me. Has that ever happened to you? Don't fear man. The center verse in the Bible, Psalms 118. It is better to fear the Lord than to put your confidence in men. A sure declaration. As with every truth in God's word, there are promises that can be claimed. And David gives us a confident statement. He says, he shall strengthen thine heart. He says, God will strengthen you, but he's not going to strengthen you if you're still dependent on yourself. God cannot strengthen you if you allow weakness in your life. You have maybe worked with concrete and, or you've seen concrete. When, when a foundation begins to crumble, and the concrete begins to crumble, you have to tear out all the crumbling concrete and you have to put in new. Oftentimes in our life, there's things that start to crumble and we say, Lord Jesus, I'm going to go to church and help me. Please help me. And we start to add a little bit of mortar and try to patch it up. And we leave all the crumbling stuff there. We say, but it's too painful. And, and maybe the preacher preaches a sermon about the crumbling things in our life. And we say, but he doesn't understand what he's talking about. It's been in my life for a long time. So it's good. The Lord says, no, one thing have I desired. Oh, these other things you've been desiring, we've been desiring, they need to go. Lord, build a sure foundation in my life. One thing have I desired, that will I seek after. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I am going to seek God, period. I'm going to wait on him, period. The goodness of the Lord. He was consecrated to his purpose. He was sure that God was going to bless him if he sought him. You know why people don't serve God? Because they ain't sure if God's going to bless them. You know what I'm believing? That by us adopting a section of the road and being out there cleaning up, that we're going to see visitors come to church. If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't have done that. We wouldn't have adopted it. 
because it's a little inconvenient. Okay? A sure declaration. We're believing God that he's going to use these things. Hey, what a coincidence. Pull up and park at the beginning of the route. A lady comes out with her precious children. I've never met this family ever in my life. They had a pile of trash in their own yard away from the road. They're like, oh, did you come to clean up our trash too? And I was like, I'm sorry, they won't let me take your trash too. Um, we're not the dumpster service. But <laughs> um, it was such a great conversation we had. Family I'd never met. God might put you in somebody's path. We've got to get out and serve the Lord in order to meet people sometimes, okay? A consecration to his purpose. A consecration involves being dedicated to the purpose even when it seems like nothing is happening. Too often we quit because we don't see results. But that's not consecration. A sure declaration. One thing have I desired, and I'm believing, I'm going to see, verse 13, the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David says, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see. David hadn't seen the goodness yet, but he was believing to see it. Too many times we're living by sight instead of faith. If I feel better, I'll start serving God. Hey, how about we serve God when we don't feel good? That's faith. We step out by faith. We step out by faith. We do what does not come natural to us, a consecration to his purpose. And encouraging power results. He will strengthen your heart. Only God strengthens it when we wait with expectancy. God wants to move and work. And a few years back, I shared this story with you. And I want to share this story again from Watchman Nee as we close this morning. He describes as he ministered in the island off of the China coast... Washman Nee was a ministering. There were seven with his group, including a 16-year-old new convert named Wu. The island was large. It had 6,000 homes. And Nee had a contact there, an old schoolmate, schoolmate. And the schoolmate refused to house the group when he discovered they had come to preach the gospel. So you understand, Watchman Nee comes as a missionary. His friend lives there. His friend will not, would not be hospitable to them. Finally, they found lodging with a Chinese herbalist who became the first man they led to Christ. Preaching seemed quite fruitless because the people worshipped an idol called Tiwong. They were convinced of the power of the idol because on the day of the festival and the parade each year, the weather had always been perfect. Well, you know what he prayed for. When's the processional this year, Wu said? It's January 11th at 8 a.m. in the morning. Then said the new convert, I promise you it will certainly rain on the 11th. Are your prayers that powerful? There was an outburst of cries from the crowd. That's enough. We don't want to hear any more preaching. If there's rain on the 11th, then your God is the God. Watchman Nee had been elsewhere in a village when this young man, the 16-year-old of faith, had spoken up. There was not a cloud in the sky, but during grace for breakfast on that day, sprinkles began to fall. These were followed by heavy rain. And the idol worshipers of Tiwang were so upset, they placed Tiwang in a sedan chair and carried it outdoors, hoping that the idol would stop the rain. The rain increased, and only after a short distance, the carriers of the idol fell down and dropped the idol, fracturing its jaw and its left arm. A number of young people turned to Christ as a result of the rain coming in answer to prayer. But the elders of the village made divination and said that the wrong day was chosen. So the day of preparation and the procession, they said, should have been on the 14th. So guess what they did? They prayed again. And on the 14th, they went to prayer asking for rain and for clear days of preaching until the 14th. On the crucial day, on the 14th, it was a perfect day. They had good meetings. And as the evening approached, they met at the appointed hour and prayed. Not a minute late, God sent torrential rain. And the power of the idol was defeated. People stopped trusting in the false god. Conversion followed, and they saw converts. Many, many souls were won to Christ. Why? Because of prayer. Look, this meeting we have coming up, we're not praying for it. And forget about inviting people. It's God that's going to work in our hearts. He's going to help us. Did you ever say, man, I don't know how I could witness to somebody God can help you do that. I remember when I was afraid and timid as a little 13-year-old and said, there's no way I'm ever going to invite anybody to church because I'm too afraid of what they think about me. Face your fears by the grace of God, amen? God will give you the power. God wants to use you. 
He wants to use and work in our community. Will you believe him to work? What do you fear? God wants you to encounter victory. Look back in verse 1 of Psalms 27. The Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Man, if he's your light, and if he's your strength, and you're still afraid, then I submit to you he's not your light and your strength. I don't mean to be rude. But if he's the light and the strength, we're not afraid. Why? Because when we look to him, we see he's all-powerful. Even this morning, in praying, Lord, please send so-and-so to church today. And seeing you walk through the door, Lord, please send them back today. Please send them today. And seeing God work, my heart leaps for joy every time God answers a prayer like that. You pray for somebody, they come back. You pray for somebody, they're here. Why? God does the work. My friend, it is only God that brings us to come, okay? There's a lot of other pressures in the world that pull us away from church. It's when God brings us back. And you need to believe God to work. We need to believe God together to work. What do you fear? What are you afraid of? Have you got tired in your search for God? Has the desire to grow close to him and his people diminished in your life? One thing have I desired. You say, I don't feel like desiring it. Lord, give me a fresh desire for you. That's the prayer we need to pray today. We aren't just like spending time. We, 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 we spend time with who we like, with who we love. Maybe ask the Lord, Lord, help me to love you and desire you again like I did before. Or like maybe you haven't. Lord, help me to desire and love you like David did. I want that kind of love. We're going to bow for prayer. The piano's going to play. And we're going to take a moment to do business with the Lord. I encourage you this morning to come forward and pray. To come forward and pray. You say, but I like praying in my seat. I do too. I like, I like just, I'm just going to pray quietly. That's okay. But I encourage you to come forward and kneel and pray. There's something about it, committing to God, surrendering to God, and kneeling in prayer. And I encourage you to do it this morning. We're going to stand for prayer. This piano begins to play. If God spoke to your heart about any of these things and you want to just do business with the Lord, would you come forward as soon as the piano begins to play? And would you meet with the Lord? As the piano begins to play, let's just step out from our seat and come respond to the Lord. Take a moment. Lord, help me. Lord, I need your help. Lord, I need your help. Lord, I want to desire you. I want to desire you like I did before.